Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Meg, and karaoke sensation Connie is about to tell us all about the Ruer cannibal. I first try, got that. Got it, did it. Um, as you know, we are a Zencaster powered podcast. And if you have ever wanted to start a podcast, and I know there's that little piece of you deep inside that goes, I I could talk about something for a little while. You should go to Zencaster, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash pricing and use the code gruesome with a capital G for 30% off your first three months and start your own podcast, please. I'm asking you as a favor to me and to you. Do that. (laughs) Do it. So earlier this month, when we had our Patreon hangout, there was a recommendation for us to do kind of a tour of Europe of cases. And that's what we're going to do. So tonight we're going to start our first leg of the tour in Germany. And hang on, guys, because this is a brutal one. You guys were thinking Connie has not been giving us very brutal cases. And She's the one that we would think would do it. So I was like, okay, you guys asked okay. for it. Um, trigger warnings for this case are rape, cannibalism, necrophilia, dismemberment, crimes against children, murder, strangul- strangulation, suicide. So it's literally an all-around brutal case. Yeah, Oof, man. Okay. All right. Meg might not like you guys after I do this case because... It's been requested a couple of times, and I was like, like, I'm already like, oh, okay, I'm ready. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to cry. Yeah, probably, because I did. So tonight we're going to talk about the German serial killer, Joachim Kroll. He was born April 17th, 1933, in the Upper Silesia of Germany. And actually, the area he was born, um, Zarbja, is now part of Poland, but it wasn't at the time. He was the youngest of eight. Eight. That's a baby I don't want to be. Yeah, no. He had six sisters and one brother. And I think it's this is important. I think it's important to mention his sisters, especially due to crimes that are going to happen later on. And we're going to kind of circle back to that at the very end because I have some theories. Kroll only went to school for five years before he quit and he had to work on the family farm. Um, His family was very poverty stricken as a result of World War II and its effect on Germany. Sadly, Kroll's dad was actually a prisoner of war in Russia during the war. And unfortunately, he never made it home. After his dad presumably died, Kroll, his mother, and his siblings moved to a very small two-room home. To say things were rough, it's kind of an understatement. Um... Kroll had an IQ of about 76, which what that means is clinically it would be the diagnosis of borderline intellectual functioning. The person has a below average cognitive ability. So he struggled. That's another reason that he struggled in school. He was of smaller stature, um, especially compared to many of his peers. He had Difficulty with wetting the bed growing up. 
Now, I'm not saying that um, my previous statement coincides with that. Not like he was smaller stature, so he wet the bed. I don't want anyone to think that like I'm saying that. Um, but I was pretty curious, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. If there were pregnancy complications with his mom, because he was the there were eight children, and it's like you know, like prenatal complication risk like increase with like subsequent children. So it made me question, like, if his size, his intellectual ability, et cetera, were, like, if he, his mom had had a complication, maybe he was, like, born early. I don't have any record of that. But um, obviously, like, medical care wasn't what it is now. And if she didn't have, like, prenatal treatment like she should have or, like, nutrition due to, like, Yeah, I think that's know. absolutely possible that, you know, if there was any birth issues, especially yeah. if they were in a poor family, she probably didn't get the care that she needed. And, you know, I know that women have been having babies forever. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, you know, they they made it work for a long time before modern medicine ever came mm-hmm. into play. But that doesn't mean there aren't still situations where you know you just yeah, exactly. do with what you you make do with all of his struggles and then you add that Kroll only had the social skills of a third grader he was constantly ridiculed by people in town he was called the town idiot he was made fun of for how he wet the bed things were pretty rough for him growing up which you know what I'm gonna say we can be like damn that sucks for like younger him but I have zero sympathy for adult him He had really low self-esteem. He felt incompetent around women his age. And, like, as I'm saying this, like, the ticker should be clicking. Like, okay, we are – it's like a storm. It's like a – we're having the perfect storm here. Storm's brewing. Mm -hmm. He reportedly also physically and sexually abused animals, which we all know that part of the McDonald triad for violent tendencies, the three are – Fire starting, persistent bedwetting past a certain age, and cruelty towards animals. Typically, someone only has to have two out of the three of these to have considerable predisposition for violent behaviors later in life. So he's like checking the boxes, right? He lived with his mom on the family farm until he was 22. And it was believed that was majority in part of it being difficult for him to live on his own. He would later say about his life on the farm that one day he saw a pig being slaughtered and it awakened his sex drive. Ew. Not the Farrah Fawcett magazines, not Baywatch. It was a pig being slaughtered. In 1955, Kroll's mom died suddenly. And like we see with a lot of murderers and serial killers, that traumatic event set off a series of horrific events. Okay. I'm going to give you guys once again, another trigger warning and the opportunity for people to be like, this episode is not for me because murder. We don't judge you if that's the case. Yeah. If you got a dip, baby. Yeah. We like no hard (laughs) feelings here. Do what you got to do. Once again, murder, rape, cannibalism, necrophilia, dismemberment, Crimes against children, strangulation, suicide. And I'm not going to give a trigger warning for each victim because we have quite a few. Um, I'm just giving you the blanket warning that that those trigger warnings will apply to every case pretty much that we have. 
Ooh, okay. Ready? No. Let's go. On January in January of 1955, three weeks after his mom died, Kroll committed his first murder. He lured 19-year-old runaway Ermgard Strail to a barn near the village of Walstead. I read in a couple of different articles that he promised her a precious gift. She was a runaway at the time. So I can't confirm that because it, it's yeah. just like, you know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter what what he was saying. He still did what he did. She was described as being very attractive and outgoing. So cruel knew that he would never be able to pursue her in a normal romantic way due to his feelings of inadequacy for, and for whatever reason, my guess would be the added stressor of not having his mom anymore. He lured her to the barn where he stabbed her repeatedly in the neck and then strangled her. The cuts on her stomach were consistent with how a butcher would slaughter a pig. Semen was found pretty much everywhere. So much so that police suspected that several people were involved. And this is ew. And this is when I wish DNA profiling was a thing. Because they would yeah. have had a perfect yeah. That's gross. He viciously defiled her corpse before using a long butchering knife to disembowel her. Her body wouldn't be found for five days. Mm-hmm. Man, that's rough. And and what was surprising to me, he kind of went on living his life like as normally as he could for a few years without so it wasn't like his it was just a barn a barn okay so he wasn't tied to that barn nope nope he was referred to as uncle joachim he yeah like kids in the neighborhood that's what they called him he would was never on the radar for a crime like this after kroll brutally brutally murdered Ermgard, he lived a pretty quiet life, or so he says. I have feelings about that, too. Like I said, his neighbors called him uncle because he was so great with kids. He would always have candy and toys in his apartment, and the neighbor kids would come and hang out there. Neighbors thought that he was just a kind, simple man who wanted a family of his own. It's a quote. They said that he was so kind to the young girls, and he treated them all as if they were his nieces. But what the neighbors didn't see, what the young children didn't see, is his house was full of dolls that he would use, like he would imitate strangling. He had inflatable sex dolls that he would have sexual relations with. And he Mm -hmm. would, as he was strangling these dolls. Yikes. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude. And, yeah. They didn't know how sick of a person he was. They thought he was just a nice guy with cool toys. During this time, that he he said that he had no desire, no no urge to murder, just living his life. He had a ba- job as a bathroom attendant, but he struggled with finances because you know times were still hard. No I one can had imagine any- you're getting paid the big bucks as a bathroom attendant. No one had any idea that their kids were hanging out with this psychotic monster. They had no idea that this man hiding out, her handing out his pocket candy was a brutal rapist. And I'm adding all of these to the reasons why my kids will never be hanging with some random man. You're not allowed to go to random people's apartments in general, especially when you're a child. 
I think this is one of the things that we can say times are different now. It was the fifties, right? So yeah. Yep. Okay. Four years later, on June 16th, 1959, Kroll lured and brutally murdered 24-year-old Frida Tesmer in Rhine. The manner of her death was the exact same as Ermid. He would later recall that he remembered grabbing her by the arm, but she put up such a fight that they both rolled down the hill. And that is when he strangled her. Her body was found the next day by five young boys out riding their bikes. Oh, I hate it when the kids find them. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it happens so often. Yeah. It's always like a couple of boys riding their bicycles stumbled across the dead bodies. Was, uh, was the movie Stand, uh, by, Stand me? by Me? Yeah, yeah. For the, yeah. She was murdered in the same way as Irma. So she was stabbed, strangled, disemboweled. I cannot imagine being a young kid and coming upon that scene. No, you shouldn't ever have to. No kid should have to. No person should have to come across that. Exactly. There was one key difference in Frida's murder. When her body was discovered, there were areas of flesh missing from her buttocks and her thigh. They were meticulously removed, just like a butcher would do. Police searched everywhere for someone that could be capable of committing such a disgusting crime. They thought they had solved the case when they arrested Heinrich Ott for her murder. He was the local mechanic. He may have been seen around, like, talking to her. It doesn't say, really, how they came in contact But he was facing such scrutiny due to the sheer brutality and nature of the crime that, unfortunately, he took his life while he was waiting for his trial to begin. Once again, no one suspected Kroll. Wasn't even on their radar. There were, there's 48 miles between the two crimes. 77 kilometers. (laughs) Um. There was actually another man who I couldn't find his name. He also was charged and arrested for her murder, and he spent time in prison until they were able to release him due to lack of evidence. So on July 26, 1959, barely a month later, he lures and murders 16-year-old Manuela Knott. She was found raped and strangled, and it would be determined that after she was murdered, he masturbated over her corpse. Ugh. Was that, like, did she have any parts missing or anything? Just just like in Frida's murder, she had slices of her buttocks and her thighs removed. Ah, I hate it. it. And once again, investigators believed that a group of young perverts, that was the direct quote, young perverts committed the murder because, one, due to the amount of semen that was found on the scene and Ugh. the sheer brutality of That's it. That's gross every time you say it. I know. I know. On February 13th, 1960, a man named Horst Otto walked into the police department and admitted to her murder. But he later recanted her statement because he didn't do it. And it's no one had no one knows why he admitted to her murder. But he was sentenced and served to six years in prison. Just six years? Like, I know he didn't do it, but, like, still, you're just, okay. Mm-hmm. So, But once again, insane. nobody is looking for Kroll. Is it because they, 
I guess the terminology used there was simple man. Is it because he's a simple man? It is because he does not live in these places. He just shows up, picks victims at random, and then he leaves. Oh, okay. And the areas are so far apart. I mean, not like different, you know, like different. They're like hours or so apart. So they're not looking at him. It looks very random. Yeah. On September 3rd, 1962, 12-year-old Barbara Bruder was raped and murdered. She was on the way to the playground when she took a shortcut through the woods, and Kroll had seen her, and he was there waiting for her. He was never charged in her murder because her body has never been found, and the only reason we know that he did it is because he later admitted to it. But he, I'm not sure if something happened afterwards where he, you know, like, he, I don't want to give away too much, like, at the end, so I'm going to circle back to this one, but um, he was very forthcoming with details later on, so this is the, the one, this is one where I'm like, it's a little strange to me that her body was never found. That one of however many you're about to tell me about just never came mm-hmm. up. Okay. She has, she's the only one where her body was never found. On April 23rd, 1962, the body of 13 year old Petra Geis was found amongst some bushes. She was visiting a fair with a friend when she was lured away by Kroll. She had been strangled with her scarf and had been raped. That's um, when they discovered her body. Her red dress had been cut and her buttocks was completely removed and as well as the left forearm and hand. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we're like increasing in brutality. Once again, there was a scapegoat in this case. 52-year-old convicted pedophile and sex offender Vincennes Kuhn was charged and convicted of her murder. He was sentenced to 12 years in prison and sentenced to psychiatric treatment. He was released after six years, which I'm not really sure why with the brutality of these, the... Yeah, that seems strange. Also, like, it sounds like that guy already had a record, so if they thought he murdered someone, like, why would he get Mm -hmm. out sooner? Exactly. And this is, like, what I was thinking when I was looking at this case. I understand the differences in locality make it different to form a pattern. I get that. But it really does seem like it's from a scene from a movie where the police just kind of look around and they're like, hey, you'll do. Guilty. And then that's it. And if these are all different cities, I mean, those police departments probably weren't communicating very well. No. And it's like the the German DNA database wasn't a thing until 1998. So it's not like they could like run his DNA and be like, oh, shit, this – there's the three other one. murders attached to this. Yeah. The wide use of DNA technology where they were able to store um, like genetic makeup to like all this, the perpetrator had blonde hair, you know, like they could map the genes that wasn't even adopted until 2017 over there, mm-hmm. which is like, Ooh. yeah, mind blown. they could use it, but they couldn't store it. So you could, there wasn't a database for it, which is crazy okay i gotcha not even two months later 
13-year-old Monica Taffel was abducted on her way to school. They had a massive search, and her body was discovered by a police helicopter in a forest on the outside of town. Kroll spotted her and dragged her into a rye field where his reign of terror continued. His M.O. remained the same, with police recalling the similarity to choosing flanks for steak. Ew. Gross. The Walsam authorities realized they were the first ones to realize that they might be dealing with the cannibal. And like we see in almost all of his other cases, police point the finger at another local man, Walter Quicker, a 34-year-old convicted pedophile, was arrested due to witnesses saying that he was in the area at the time. He was released due to lack of evidence, and he was cleared of all of his charges, but the persecution from neighbors, sneering from children, local shops refused to serve him. His wife ultimately left him. It was too much for Walter to take. And on October 5th, 1962, Walter went to the forest outside of town and took his life. Yeah. Oof. On August 22nd, 1965, Herman Schmitz and his girlfriend were having a romantic time near Lover's Lane, near a lake in Grossenbahn, Duisburg. When things started to get hot and heavy, if you get my vibe, Kroll was watching and he made up his mind that he had to have Schmitz's girlfriend, Rita. He realized that this was a unique situation for him because he would have to get through Herman to get to Rita. So he slashed the front tire of their Volkswagen. And when Herman realized like something was wrong, he gets out to check things out and Kroll ambushes him and immediately stabs him in the chest. Yikes. Rita watches in horror as her boyfriend is brutally attacked. But instead of sitting around in a panic, she took control of the situation. Disregarding the fact that the tire is completely flat, she jumped into the driver's seat, throws the car into drive, and tried to run Kroll over. Good for her. Mm Mm-hmm. Kroll, unfortunately, like the tiny little maggot snake that he is, was able to narrowly escape. Ugh, what a dust mite. Mm Mm-hmm. 25-year-old Herman Schmitz succumbed to his wounds in the arms of his girlfriend. And a full-scale search ensued, but the mysterious attacker was never found. Did she hit him at all? Like, No, he, he must be, like, real fast. Like, that's the vibe that I get through, like, the rest of this, because there's another situation where he, like, narrowly escapes. And I'm like, are you on roller skates? Like, what the hell are it's you like doing? like adrenaline probably just it's like, like the, and like it's scary to think it's like the boogeyman it's like ugh, he's just you're yeah. running and he's just always like right out of your grip you can't catch him herman is believed to be the only male victim of Kroll. and like i said i think what is important to know that Kroll is traveling to these areas and they are all victims of opportunity he's not local like it's He's like going to places where no one knows him. He's not some planner that is spending like weeks and months stalking his victims. He sees them, backs up and lingers for a bit, and then he attacks. After the murders, he returns home and portrays this sweet, innocent uncle vibe 
And then when he has the urge to murder again, he just leaves town. This is how he's able to go unnoticed. He's committed seven murders at this point, and no one has any idea that it's him doing it. Like, none at all. Ugh. On September 13th, 1966, 20-year-old Ursula Rowling was walking in Forster Bush Park in Marl. She had spent the evening with her boyfriend, Adolf Schickel, at an ice cream parlor before the two went their separate ways. She walked home through the park, taking a shortcut. Kroll saw that she was walking by herself and struck up a conversation with her. After talking to her for a minute, he took his right arm and put it around her neck and drug her to nearby bushes. He strangled her until she wasn't moving. Then he proceeded to rape her and he just left her in the bushes before taking a train back to Duisburg. Ugh. So he's like taking trains from town to town. He's not even yeah. like driving. No, he hops on a train. Sometimes he hops on a bus. And this is, so this is another instance where it makes it difficult to connect the dots because he's not always removing flesh. Like he's go like this one. He, That's I don't want to say he thinks he, he has enough time. Yeah. And I don't want to say like, oh, he just raped and murdered her. Cause it's still like absolutely brutal, but he didn't, there was, no, there was not the, extras that he had been doing prior yeah and also it was they were in a park yeah so it's exactly probably so a it's, pretty public area yeah. where anybody could walk through and just like in a story we've heard too many times before this her boyfriend was questioned because he was the last person seen with ursula and after questioning him at length they had to let him go because they had no evidence but unfortunately to the town of marl he was adolf was guilty and he was literally chased out of town. Oh, my gosh. Four months after Ursula's murder, Adolf drowned himself in the main river. <gasps> we have two, three there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Honestly, Kroll should be charged with their deaths as well. I thought like, the same thing. I was like, mm, this yeah, is Yeah, that gross. seems it's entirely his fault that that is happening. And... Mm -hmm. Ugh. On December 22nd, 1966, so just a couple months later, Alana Harkey was abducted in Essen by Kroll. He took her on, and this is one of the only ones I've seen where he takes the victim multiple places. He took her on a city train to Wuppertal. That may not be, I may not be pronouncing that right. And then he made her board a bus with him. Along the bus route, he got off near a wooded area. She was strangled, raped, and ultimately drowned in a deep ditch nearby. Simply because he said that he wanted to see how someone drowned. Ew. She was only five years old. <gasps> Ugh. I kind of wondered how they were, how he was, she was like getting her to go to a bus. Ugh. That's awful. Yeah. On June 22nd, 1967, Gabrielle Poopman was lured by Kroll into a field. She was forced to look at pornographic images. And I read in a few different articles and a book that she actually fainted when he showed them to her. Aww. He attempted to strangle her, but he started hearing tons of sirens and he thought it was the police. But what he didn't realize is the local mine was changing shift, so it was the bell. 
and all of the commotion was the end of the day, like miners heading home, like things shifting out. So he took off in a panic and he thought that he had killed her. He, <gasps> but he didn't. He didn't. She survived. Her parents, for whatever reason, never reported the incident and the police to the police until Kroll was arrested. <gasps> no which i don't understand i don't know i don't know if things are different i can't speak to how things were in the area in germany in that time like you know if it would have i don't know i don't know because like my mindset was like what the hell like how do you not be like hey someone literally strangled my 10 year old daughter 10 oh yeah like do you think that they just didn't maybe believe her or I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I couldn't imagine any situation where that would be the, like, that was the case. But like I said, I don't, I don't know the culture as far as like, if there was something else going on to why they felt like they couldn't. Yeah. Oh, okay. Keep going. Let's hear it. And I think that Kroll got scared after this close call with Gabrielle. She, granted, he thought she died, but he was worried that someone could have seen him. So he lay low for a couple of years. He wouldn't commit another murder until July 12th, 1969. So almost three years. That day, he met Maria Hedgen on the banks of the Baldeny Lake. He had taken a train to Essen, then took a bus to the area where he encountered Maria. He started talking to her and she declined the conversation, much like most people would do. And it pissed him off. So he followed her. He hit her. And he pushed her into some bushes where he strangled and then raped her. And I I don't want to keep saying and then, but I think it's important to like add it to like the profile of how crazy this man is. He is not engaging in sexual assault with a live victim. Like yeah. that is that is not happening. Maria was 61 years old. She was a meme. And you know how I feel about that. Once again, Kroll waited almost another year before he would attack again. On May 21st, 1970, he noticed 13-year-old Judah Ron on the train. He followed her once she got off because she was walking. She took a shortcut through the woods to go back home. He strangled and raped her before getting on the train and going home. Her neighbor, Peter Shea, was arrested and charged with her murder. He's like her age. I read in a few sources that he was called her part-time boyfriend. And all I'm saying is like she's 13. So all boyfriends are part-time at that yeah. age. But he spent 15 months in prison before he was released due to lack of evidence. He was 13 also? It said her like... It never came out and said her his exact age, um, but I mean, maybe he was a little older, or I think so. But like I read another one where it described him as being a teenager, so he's he's in that area, in that realm. Twelve lives have been taken at this point at the hands of Kroll. Three people have lost their lives is a direct result of his actions there by taking their own life. Another four men have spent time in prison, wrongfully charged in Kroll's murders. He's traveling, randomly murdering these young girls, and then just going home. 
The murders are spaced out. The manner of which the girls are being murdered is just different enough at times to make it difficult to establish the pattern. There are times where he murders every few months. There are times where he doesn't murder for years. And in fact, after he married, after he murdered uh, Judah, he claims to not have murdered anyone for six years. He just laid low to everyone in town. He's just a simple man. He was, and I say this so much, but it's so mind blowing. He was never, never on anyone's radar for any of these murders. He only gets caught through his own actions, like incriminating himself. The police never suspected him once. Neighbors never suspected him. On saying he eventually hits too close to home. Ding, ding, ding. I was like, that's normally how this goes. But I'll let you tell the story. On May 8th, 1976, Karen Topfer was on her way to school in Dinschlaken when Kroll abducted her. She was strangled and raped. She was only 10 years old. And again, he was never a suspect in this case. And I'm going to give you guys a heads up. I know all of these murders have been gut-wrenching and sickening, but his last murder is especially brutal. So I just wanted to give you the extra, like, hey, if you're already like, this is making me sick and I hate you for this, I would skip forward a couple minutes. So on July 2nd, 1976, Kroll would break his cardinal rule and lure a victim from his neighborhood in Duisburg. And honestly, when I first was reading about how he would hang out with all these young girls in his apartment and everyone just thought he was like the nicest man, I kept thinking like there is no way this is going to last forever because he is going to get to a point where he cannot control that urge. It's The temptation is going to be too much. For the previous 21 years, 21 years, he had been going from town to town, either by bus or by train sometimes both finding victims at random. But on that July day, Kroll lured four-year-old Marion Ketter into his apartment. The deviation from his normal method is he dismembered Marion for two reasons. One was to completely cannibalize her. And two was he wanted to be able to to dispose of her body the best he could because it was at his apartment. A little later, like a couple days later, a neighbor asked Kroll if he knew why the upstairs toilet was backing up. The the apartments had shared bathrooms. Kroll looked at his neighbor without missing a beat or acting like it was a big deal and just said, guts. Ew. The neighbor laughed because he thought he meant like, you know, you go to the bathroom and like it all comes out. But so the neighbor went up there to try and like, see what was going on, he realized like Kroll was being quite literal. When he looked in the toilet, he saw what he believed to be intestines. He immediately contacted the police. He thought it was an animal. Police wasted no time going to Kroll's apartment when they confirmed the neighbor's suspicions. Only the police were like, these are not animal innards. This is These are human. Once inside, they immediately found Marion Ketter's dismembered body. They found parts of her body in the refrigerator, in the freezer. He proudly showed them the stew he was making on the stove. Nope, 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 Mm -hmm. nope, nope. 
Yeah, he's just like, hey, look. Police moved that toilet and they were able to find some of her organs like in like underneath, you know, like how a toilet in goes the down. pipe. Yeah. Yeah. He was arrested without any fight. When he got to the police station, he admitted to all 13 of his other murders. He confessed to everything. He confessed to engaging in cannibalism. Police were further disgusted when they were like, hey, why the hell are you cannibalizing women, you sick asshole? And he just replied, meat is expensive. Ew. There was no overwhelming desire. It wasn't like he felt the need to do it. It wasn't some ritual thing. It it was because he wanted to save money on his groceries. He further explained to authorities that the reason he would engage in necrophilia is because he didn't want to have to worry about a woman being able to tell tell him how much she didn't like it. It's why he would engage with sex in sexual activity with all the dolls around his house. So the neighborhood, needless to say, was completely shocked. Parents couldn't get over what kind of monster was living literally right under their noses. He's the worst of the worst. The of the worst. Probably the worst serial killer that I have. I mean, we we know the big names, right? Dahmer. Yeah. Toy box killer. But I hadn't heard of him. Like no, until I hadn't he was either. like until he was like recommended. Like I hadn't heard of him. While Kroll was in prison, he eagerly gave details to authorities. He went to different locations with them. He demonstrated what he did to his victims. There are legit pictures of him acting out his crimes. But it wasn't for clout and it wasn't for bragging. He genuinely thought that if he cooperated with police, he would be given a surgery that would stop his urges to rape and murder. I'm assuming he meant castration because some sex offenders in Germany at the time were surgically castrated. Actually, they were until up until like 2012. Dang. Yeah. Honestly, I'm for that. I agree. They still offer chemical castration for sex offenders under like certain psychiatric conditions, but it's a voluntary procedure at this point. What is chemical? Ca- like I know what castration is. How is it done chemically? Um, they inject something that I think it eliminates. It either eliminates or it decreases where you don't produce the hormones to become aroused. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, for that too. Sure. And I could, that could be wrong. So if you're listening and you're like, that's not what chemical castration is, like, <laughs> please uh, let me know how bad I suck at that. So lightness. Um, he thought that he would have this surgery and then I shit you not like was like, oh, I'm going to do say all this and then I'm going to be released back into society as a reformed citizen and I won't have the urge to rape and murder anymore. So no, imagine, friend. Yeah, imagine his surprise when that was not the case. He was in prison for almost three years before his trial began. And due to the sheer number of victims and the brutality, it lasted 151 days. He was ultimately convicted of nine murders. He wasn't convicted of the other five because of the time since the murder and like time since the murder had occurred and the lack of evidence. And also other ones in like 25 years at that point. Exactly. He was sentenced to nine life sentences. 
He was Good. never going to see the light of day. And honestly, I don't feel like that was enough. I was trying to think of like the most brutal thing that should have happened. Like firing squad, acid bath, having the exact same thing happen to him, like all of his victims. Standing in a room of women as they told him how pe- big of a piece of shit he was. Yeah. I don't know. But he died in 1991 of a heart attack. So there's a plus. He only spent nine years in prison. That's so it, gross. Because for like his whole life, he was pretty much mm-hmm. free and doing what exactly what he wanted to do. So I have, I, I'm going to go over a couple theories that I have. I do not believe with any bone in my body that when he's like, oh, I didn't murder anyone for six years. I didn't murder. I don't believe that one bit. I don't think but if he's so forthcoming, why wouldn't he say it? Do you think he like blacked it out or just? No, I think he knew if he crossed a, because he, like I said, he really thought he was going to just get the surgery and be released. I think if he said too much, they would be like, hell no. Do you think he had that cognitive ability to like stop himself there? Like stop himself I... from saying some, but like some, but not all. I don't know because like they one of the articles I read an investigator was talking like if you did not know that he was mentally handicapped you would have thought he was a mad genius with how he carried everything out like he knew to go to different cities like he knew you know like he knew how to not get caught yeah and my second thing I want to discuss is he was ridiculed by everyone due to his size, his mental capacity, his bedwetting. And I would be hard pressed to believe that his sisters were not part of that. Like his sisters didn't contribute to him thinking that like bullying him. Yes. Well, Did, he's yeah, the youngest one. He's youngest, he's the smallest. He has he's all, a you boy, know, yeah. Yeah. And he I would part of me thinks that the added stress of his like the only woman who cared like who cared for him suddenly dies he the other women in his life have ridiculed him how old did you say he was when this started he was let me see he was he was 21 maybe 24 because he was born in 1933 and his first murder was in 1955 so 23 Three, right? 33, 43. He'll be 20. 22. So he was 22. Wait, if he's born 1933? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 22. So I am wondering if, like, his sisters and how he was treated by them, and I'm not saying it's their fault at all. I don't want anyone to think that. But if he had so much animosity, if, like, that's why because strangling is a personal thing like that is rage that is rage like you don't you don't see that like because there were only a couple cases where there was something used to strangle his victims they he was manually strangling these women and girls but he also sounded like based on you know that triad uh he had a predisposition oh violent behavior so if anything it just you know it's like stoking the fire fuel to the fire yeah Yeah. absolutely 
Yeah, sorry. I know that this one was brutal, but it, like I said, it had been requested a couple times, and I mentally committed to it before I realized, like, holy shit. <laughs> um, so the other... When, after he got arrested, did the 10-year-old's parents come forward? Did he get anything from, like, for no. that? Or did she no. testify, do you know? I don't know if she testified, and if she would have, it probably wouldn't have been in the... I wasn't able to find, I was able to find like reports and stuff, but I, it, I, I wasn't able to like get full court documents like we can here. Yeah. I couldn't find also, those. Cause it was, you know, also pretty long time ago. I mean, I guess not, not that long. Not really. You think yeah. about it, not really. Well, you said like in- 1933. I'm like, woof, that was a long time ago, but he went on till the seventies, which is yeah, the fifties you know. and seventies. Mm-hmm. Woof, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, all the way through um, 1976. Uh, so. I think you so should he probably was... tell me a Zencaster ad <laughs> before you keep telling me stuff. <laughs> well, if you are thinking, <laughs> I never want to listen to anything like that again, or I could tell that story better, you should. And if you're thinking 50 minutes of true crime is too much, I want to talk to people for... 20 minutes you should start a podcast and you should use zencaster to do it you they're um gonna be really like i said they're gonna be releasing their mobile stuff soon where you can record from your phone you don't need fancy mic you don't need anything except for a cell phone because it does so much awesome post-production afterwards if you could hear actually you can hear please go back to episodes like one through five and then (laughs) Listen to us now, and you're like, yeah, that's all you need. The sound quality, the ease. If we can do it, I can't operate anything. I mean, I used to code MySpace code in what? When we were 16, and now I can barely figure out how to work my TV, but I can work Zencaster. So if this <laughs> sounds like something for you, go to Zencaster.com backslash pricing. Use promo code GRUESOME with a capital G. Get 30% off your first three months. And I know you guys are using this code, so I need you to start sending me your podcast that you're starting. Yeah, we see you using it. We can see it. So do it and then send us your podcast. Yeah. Before we start, I don't know, emailing you. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to start stalking you. (laughs) We're going to be like, hey, I noticed that you used our promo code. What's your podcast about? Yeah, and then... We're you're gonna have to do an episode about us getting arrested for stalking you. That's yeah. what's gonna happen. <laughs> we'll give you an hey, and you'll be able to interview us from jail <laughs> with Zencaster. <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> oh, okay. Now you can continue now that I've had like a <sighs> okay. I know this one was so brutal, and I have hit my child case quota for the quarter don't request one because i'm not gonna do it because this one (laughs) fucked me up i've been saving it for that this one fucked me up oof i just and i didn't even i mean as brutal as that was that's the pg-13 version i there's some stuff where i was like i'm not gonna talk about that oof i guess i'm glad yeah i just can't the age ranges like the mo stayed the same but the like 
But it, like it did and it didn't because there were times like, I mean, he had a drowning victim. He had a male victim. He would not always like remove parts of the body. He, you know, the areas that it, it's just so it was so sporadic. It was just sporadic enough to not be able to put the points together. Yeah. And especially with like lack of communication, no DNA databases, any yeah, of that like, kind of junk. In 2022, someone would have made a TikTok about that and his ass would have been found like <laughs> pronto. It's just Honestly, crazy. Probably after the first one. And like mm-hmm. you said, it got more brutal, but that first one sounded like the most brutal. Like how you well, said. Most of his victims were disemboweled. Oh, they were? Okay. Yeah. And it's, he, when I was reading some of, like, the interviews and, like, them talking about, like, what he did, he almost thought that him not sexually assaulting them as, like, while they were alive was better. And I was like, it's the same thing. It's worse, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, no, it's all bad. It's all terrible. Like, you you can't justify good or bad in this. It's all evil. Yeah, you are the worst of the worst. You are the... Just vile. Vile, yeah. Vile. And you know what's crazy? I think about this sometimes, right? I think about, like, Ted Bundy. And I think about how, like, when most people think of serial killers, they're like, man, Ted Bundy was the freaking worst. And then you hear this. Or if you fall into the rabbit hole of the toy box killer, you're like, Like, there's too much. Like, there's, there's, there's the, the level of evil that has existed on this planet. Ugh. It's, uh, it's too much hor- sometimes. It's horrific. Um, I don't think of Ted Bundy as the worst. I do think of him as the most annoying. Like, that's mm-hmm. why I don't, that's why I hate him the most. It's like, that guy is annoying to me. I hate his face. He annoys me that he got, like, he got by with so much for so long. Every time somebody talks about him being attractive, like one, Zach so annoying to me. <laughs> Zach Efron is not Ted Bundy. He they are different people. You can't be like, oh my god, look at Zach Efron. Like Ted Bundy is so hot. No, you're wrong. Ted Bundy was a little bitch and he could just talk his way. Like he was charismatic. And sometimes I think that having that level of charisma where you can fool people like that is worse than being like it's not even charisma that's manipulation yeah that's true you're manipulative if Mm -hmm. anything and it's easier to be manipulative if you're not like also i don't know scary but he no like i said i don't think he's the worst he definitely annoys the shit out of me though do you ever stop and think uh if some of these serial killers, if it was now, like, would they be able to manipulate women like they did, like Ted Bundy? Hell no. Uh-uh. I do not think so. And I think, like, I'm taking, like, take DNA out of it. Like, DNA completely out of it. The way that 
I mean, I know we still have a long way to go as far as like how people perceive women as far as like the hierarchy of things. But uh, I just think that they, one, someone would be like texting their friend at another police department, like, oh my God, like <laughs> this is what's happening. And they're like, holy shit, that just happened here too. And they'd be like, oh my God, we have a serial killer. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Yeah. Or even like there are, you know, citywide like groups for mm-hmm. women and men on like dating apps and anytime you do something creepy or weird or like uncomfortable they post that creepy weird thing that you do so mm-hmm. everyone else sees it and they're like Mm-mm, avoid this human being and so i think very quickly it would be realized like also the mm-hmm. digital trail in general yeah it's like if you have an apple watch you're done for <laughs> yeah you're done <laughs> you're done if you're walking, if you're, this is the thing that you can also like think about is like, it's crazy to think you can be walking down the street, stalking someone and someone's making a TikTok video across the street and just happens to get you in it. You were there. That's you proven. There. You were there. Uh, it's. Mm. Chaos. Chaos. The world is chaos. It's chaos out there. That's why, like, sometimes I'll think about the Delphi murders and I'll think, like, how technology has played a huge role in that altogether, like, the investigation. But it's going to uh, bust open one day and I, I am a, here for it. My thoughts on it are the next three years. I think it's going to. Yeah, I agree. Justice will be served. And I hope it's a little bit of that Indiana justice. That <laughs> backwoods justice. <laughs> we love a Midwest justice story. We want a Midwest Batman. Now that I'm thinking, I know every time we start saying justice, I go straight to Batman. But like, I want to see what Midwest Batman looks like. <laughs> He's got a mullet and a Coors Light and he is just <laughs> the hero we didn't know we needed. He's got just like a Motley Crue shirt like cut off. <laughs> <laughs> and like football pads. <laughs> you know my favorite thing about the Midwest? My favorite. I have like there are times where I'm like, damn, the Midwest. Like you've all seen the TikTok. It's mid. Like we don't have anything that's like, hey. But if you're at a gas station in the middle of the night and someone else hears some man being creepy to you, they're going to be like, excuse me, ma'am. We got a problem here. <laughs> And they will throw down in that pack a sack parking lot for <laughs> that you. Pack a sack parking lot. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> uh, I really need like if you're a guy and you're listening to this, be that guy. Be the one who's watching out for other women, not in a creepy way, but like just <laughs> watching out for them. And then if you see someone, yeah, I don't know, getting loud with them, being weird step up just yeah yes you should but also like it's horseshit that you know they wouldn't listen to the woman but they would listen to another dude potentially stepping in but also i'm gonna play the both sides card here if you're a girl and you see some girl getting crazy with a guy like not yeah you should be like hey drink a sample 
Simmer down. I don't know why Snapples would help you calm down, but I really like them. I think you meant Snickers. Eat a Snickers. Drink a Snapple. We got Go a into problem pack here. A second. Get, get some gas station food. Go right in there. They have those tornadoes. <laughs> tornadoes. <laughs> Look, don't hate on the tornado because until I had my gluten issues, I would mess up a tornado. That was like the one. I can't even talk. I can't even speak poorly of a tornado because I will eat a gas station hot dog any day of the yeah. week. <laughs> when I was pregnant with my daughter, I craved gas station smoked sausage. Like gas station fare. Like not the bun, nothing. Just the hot dog. I would send my husband up to because we had a gas station like kind of by our house. I would send him up there to get me like four of them, no buns, toss that shit in the bag and bring it home. And I would just <laughs> <laughs> like I'm disgusted and impressed at the same time. <laughs> just bring me four gas station smoked sausages. This baby's hungry. <laughs> I used to get like I had a heartburn with her so bad. And yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> oh my god, she's gonna have so much hair. One, she was bald. We just she's almost four and we just <laughs> she was got bald. Hair. It was just the gas station tornadoes. <laughs> and that's what Zach would say. It's like she has heartburn, but not because of the babies, because she keeps seeing these smoked sausages from the gas station. And then it becomes like a thing, like I would, he would like ridicule me about it because it is kind of gross, but I would do it like a drug dealer. Like I would go, <laughs> I was you had, to be, you had to be sneaky about it after a certain I would, point. I would go to a gas station, not around our house. I'd get like three tornadoes, pepper jack and cheese and just sit in there and chop, chop, chop. <laughs> You're like sitting at the table with like the old ladies doing scratchers. You're like, don't tell my husband about this. I'm snoring the pepper jack through my nose, just trying to get one last hit. Uh, and I go home and he's like, you smell like a bratwurst. You're like, yeah, I had to get my fix. He told me once because I wanted to get, I was all about getting this new purse. I was like, I'm like crying about this. I, was like, I really just want this big expensive purse and he said I'm not spending a thousand dollars for you to shove tornado in Starbucks to tornado wrappers and Starbucks receipts in it. if you open my purse at the very bottom of a field of tornado wrappers and receipts there would be my wallet and that's all I had in there I can't even carry a purse anymore because that is, it just becomes all of your garbage. You're like, oh, I just keep my wallet and this is my walking trash can. <laughs> I'm crying and think about, thinking about how classy I try to be and then I'm like shoving gas station. <laughs> like you gotta have a little bit of both. It's all right. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, the hospital I work at, we have a gas station because it's a, like on a base. We have a gas station essentially. They call it a shop at in the basement. So that there's some horrifying, but go on. 
that's where our cafeteria is too. So like we go to the basement and it's like a gas station. And sometimes it's like, I'm about to risk it all for this pepper jack. <laughs> about to risk it all. I tried, I tried buying a, cause you can buy them by the case there. And I was like, I'm gonna buy one. But then I realized I don't have that roller thing. I don't think I can give it. Yeah, no, it's not as good. It's gonna be on like the steam roller. Yeah. I like also like when you walk into a gas station, that smell of just all the things mm-hmm. like that's a very I like that smell, not necessarily the gasoline, but just the smell of the gas station when you walk into it. It stresses know, me just, out. It's kind a of a comforting bit. smell for me. I don't know why. It's like sensory overload of all of my favorite things. <laughs> When I die and go to heaven, it's gonna like I'm gonna walk through and it's just gonna be like hanging. It's gonna smell like a gas station. <laughs> and I should just walk through like no 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 no. Heaven is a Seven Eleven. That's a new country song. You guys can't take it because I'm gonna write it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I gotta get a shirt that says Heaven is a 7-Eleven now. <laughs> I'm gonna go wake my husband up and be like, hey, I need you to write a song. <laughs> get or your guitar. Like- we gotta go. We gotta go to the studio. <laughs> or you know how the wah-wahs? Just like yeah. wah wah want. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, the never ending, like me reading our reviews, we got. (laughs) I saw this yesterday and I laughed. And it was like, talk, talk, talk. No one cares about your birthday. And I was like, that is a broad statement. A lot of people (laughs) care about my birthday, which is why. You know, that one made me laugh because they were like, get to what you're. I don't know why podcasters think that people want to hear about their lives. (laughs) And I was like, who's going to tell them? They said, why don't you get what you're doing, what you're supposed to do, and then get to it afterwards. And I was like, that's what we do! I mean, what are you talking about? Sometimes we give you like three minutes, maybe four minutes of talk in the middle. And I, we do get on tangents, and I I tell you I digress. <laughs> what else do you want? <laughs> uh, that one I did roll my eyes at pretty hard. You can tell they probably listened to that one episode. Just, just the mm-hmm. Just your birthday episode. <laughs> and I think it's kind of rude because I happen to celebrate. It's still my birthday month. I'm still celebrating it. I'm still buying. Yeah, things. you still got like a solid week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's 29 days in February, right? 28. It's not a leap year this year, is it? Oh, yeah, that's right. 28. Okay. I can never remember if it's 29 every year and then Me 28 either. is the leap year or if it's I just 28 and 29 it, is. I looked it up only because I was trying to figure out how many days we have until we go to Los Angeles. And I was like, is that extra leap day in there? How does this work? Is it a less day? Is it less day or is it more day? I don't know. <laughs> uh heaven is a 7-eleven i love that day tomorrow i do want a shirt that says that (laughs) oh goodness i think we could probably end on that one yeah thank you so much for listening to gruesome horrific true crime a zencaster powered podcast seriously we wouldn't be here without them 
Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify. This helps other true kind This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, Or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're We're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.